Welcome into the Otson Audibles podcast. I'm Matt Bream, Eric Scopel on the show as always. And we're mixing it up a little bit and we're starting with quarterback week. It's the off season. We are going to roll through each position each week and dive into that group in depth and give us, uh, give you guys some opinions, give you guys an outlook on what happened this past season for Oregon football at that spot. What we also envision will happen later on down the future for that position. And first week, we are going to start with a big position. That's quarterback uh, Eric, probably one of the most one of the most what hotly cont- you know contended or discussed or move the needle type positions within the entire football program. I think all of 2020 and probably going into 2021. And we're going to look back at just what happened at the quarterback spot in 2020. Yeah, I mean, undoubtedly, the, the, the position that you go into 2021 with, I won't say the least certainty. I think there's a good – I think they'll have a good quarterback. It's just we don't know exactly who that's going to be. And, and, that's, and as we'll speak to uh, in a second here, that's due to what was a really unpredictable up-and-down season at the position in 2020. Uh, honestly, a season that was – can't really think of a season quite like it in the past where you've had no injuries to your starter and yet you leave the season going like, are we sure Tyler Shuck's going to be the starter in 2021? He was healthy all season, but maybe he's just not going to be the guy. I I can't think of that being the case in recent history. So we'll we'll run through that. And then like Matt says, uh, take a look at what we kind of are, I guess our expectations are for the group um, entering the off season in 2021. So in 2020, as a team, Oregon's passing offense ranked fourth in the conference in yards per game. They threw for just on just over 246 yards. Quarterback rating, they checked in at number one with 158.76 QB rating among all Pac-12 quarterbacks as a unit. 15 touchdowns. That is the third most touchdown passes in a game or in a season for Oregon. Uh, in the Pac-12, the six interceptions as a team ranks seventh in the Pac-12 conference. They tied with UCLA. Completion percentage, the Ducks were fourth in the Pac-12 conference, 63.4 percentage point for Oregon for their completion percentage. Yards per attempt, uh, they were tops in the league. By 0.1 yard over Arizona State, they averaged nine yards per attempt. I, I think collectively, Eric, you, you look at, you look at this and you see these stats and you think, okay, well, Oregon probably had uh, a little up and down, little inconsistent play at quarterback, but probably overall a promising production standpoint at the at the at the quarterback position. And one in which you feel like they're probably trending up and you and I are both probably in agreement here that this is probably treading water right now of we really don't know where it could go. It could go both ways. Yeah. And I think the thing that's frustrating is just, and, and, and those listening are, are aware of this as well, but we'll rehash the way the season goes. And you just look at Tyler Shuck's production. The first four weeks are pretty darn good. I mean, yep. his, you know, against Stanford, he has a touchdown. He also has a pick, 227 yards passing, but he also runs for 85 yards in a touchdown and had some great plays with his legs. I think about 
the scramble where he broke a bunch of tackles, got outside, ended up, I think it was like a 25 yard run. And then um, the few plays later on a, on a design quarterback run where it has a linebacker crashing off the edge, he makes kind of a stutter step uh, pirouette kind of move and gets out and scores a touchdown running in. And, and at that point you're kind of going like, okay, this is pretty exciting. Not only can this guy throw the ball a little bit, but the, the, the running is, is really impressive too. Same thing against Washington state. And this was his best game of the season. I think he had 312 yards passing four touchdowns, one pick ran for 81 yards. And again, you're kind of like, gosh, not only is he a 70% completion rate, not only is he, looking really good, but could he be like a Pac-12 player of the year candidate? Like legitimately. And I know, yeah, you're going Washington state. We don't know what they are. They're replacing a lot, new coaching staff. Maybe that's going to be kind of a down team, but boy, Tyler Shuck looked good in that one. I know the offense had some issues. He threw a pick. There were a couple turnovers in the first half, but boy, when it's good, it looks really good. And then the next week against UCLA, which was, I think the stats here are strange because you kind of think about that game and go, boy, they barely won the game. Usually had a backup quarterback. How much can we take from it? But you look at the stats, and it's 234 yards, three touchdowns passing, 31 yards rushing, and you go, that's not bad either. And even the Oregon State game. And this is the one where we, I think, first started seeing the, the kind of signs of, like, something's kind of sw- switching here. Because he, he throws for 285 yards and two touchdowns, but he also throws two picks. Um, he has one rushing touchdown and six yards rushing. But the two interceptions he threw were terrible. And the team's inability to just pick up a first down on their second to last drive of the game. All they needed was one first down to basically put this thing away. They can't do it. Oregon State comes right down the field and scores the game-winning touchdown. And I feel like that was, to me, the first moment of kind of like, oh, like he didn't blow this game entirely, but if he would have been slightly better and it wouldn't have taken that much, they win this game, but they don't. And then he, the wheels fall off the next week against Cal. Yep. Terrible week there. 14 for 26. They don't score any points in the second half. By the time they get to the USC game, the stats continue to be pretty poor, and they've basically inserted Anthony Brown in there with him. And then by the time you get to the Fiesta Bowl, it's a full-on, basically, rotation between Chuck and Brown. So it's such a strange season to look at from the numbers and also just kind of remembering what we saw because it starts with so much promise where he's running for 80 yards in the first two games. He's throwing for over 300 in two of his first three. I mean, he has a stretch here from a, as a passer against Washington State and UCLA where he averages 326 yards passing per game, seven touchdowns, one interception. And you're kind of going like <laughs> – I think that's pretty boom. good, Eric. <laughs> I was like, boom, look at this. They've got their guy. And then the rest of the season, it just got worse and worse and worse. And here we are. It's a really weird season to reflect upon. And I think when you take a step back and we've now – we're like, what, two and a half weeks removed from the Fiesta Bowl. And you just kind of take a step back, step back and look at it. You go like – it is a really strange season because it looks like through, through basically three, three and a half games, like this guy could be a first round pick at some point. This guy could be an all conference guy, maybe not this year, but certainly the next year. And then it shifted like that. And now you're kind of looking at it going like, I don't know what the heck to think about quarterback. He completed 65% of his passes in his first career start against Stanford against Washington state. 70% of his completion of his passes were completed he went to 63% against UCLA. And then against Oregon State, he was 64%, almost 65%. And his yards per attempt against the Beavers was good at 9.2. And I think, Eric, for the most part in that game, he played good. And then that's late in that second half, fourth quarter, and probably 
maybe early fourth, he threw a couple picks. He had two touchdowns, two interceptions in that game. Really bad, really bad turnovers in that one. And yeah. I think that is where we figure out things were not good because the next week against California, um, he throws for 231. And he, he has a quarterback rating of 141.17, which isn't terrible. It isn't isn't elite, but it's it's like better than average, a little bit better than average. But he completed just 53% of his passes. And a lot of those yards, that, that 231, a lot of that came on two drives. Yep. For the most part. And I also go and and look at his running ability, and I look at Stanford, you brought it up. He had 85 yards against the Cardinal. He had 81 yards against Washington State. And then against Cal, it was there again for a little bit. He had 53 yards. He averaged four yards a carry. But after that, it just nosedived. And I think that's a big issue for whoever is the quarterback in 2021 is Oregon's got to figure out a way to get that run game with the quarterback being involved back to, to what it was early in the year. No doubt, and I think that kind of gets lost a little bit, and it, I don't think it's by mistake that the rushing stats fall off around the same time the passing stats fall off. And the other thing we should note is Tyler Shuck only runs for 15 combined yards against USC and Iowa State, but Anthony Brown in those games ran for 40, So and, and two touchdowns. He had two t- rushing touchdowns against Iowa State. Um, and so, I mean, that, that, that has to be at least acknowledged is that they – did find a little bit of the running with Anthony Brown the last two games, so it's not like they lost it completely. But you're right; there was a point in this season here when it shifts from the success on the ground as a running, you know, from a running perspective. Like the first three games, we we talked about the rushing st- like totals, 85, 81, 31, but also the long runs, a runs of 25, 33, and 23 in each of those games. And I believe against Stanford and Washington State, he he also had runs. Um, additional runs of 15 yards or more in those games too. So he was getting kind of these chunk runs, these 15 to 20 to 30 yard runs, picking up first downs, extending drives with his feet. And then that just disappears against Oregon state, Cal USC and Iowa state, basically just non-existent there. And again, Anthony Brown had a little bit of success himself, but I think that's part of it. And you're right. I think when you look at this position group, it's pretty clear. Joe Moorhead's offense wants to have a quarterback, that can be a threat both running and throwing the football. It looked for three weeks of the season like, boy, they have their guy who can do that, and it's Tyler Shuck. And, man, could this get really exciting? Could this be a guy who – I mean, he ran for 271 yards in seven games this season. And, if you know, you think about that over the course of a traditional 14-game season, that's like close to 600 yards rushing. That's pretty darn good. And you're kind of going like through the first couple of games, it was kind of like, man, could he be a – could he be a six or 700-yard rushing in a traditional season kind of quarterback? And could he throw for – you know, over 3,000 with 30 touchdowns and be like just a really, I mean, one of the more impressive dual threat quarterbacks Oregon has had. Could he be not, not Marcus Mariota, but could he be the closest thing Oregon's had since? And it, I mean, it really kind of felt like that was, a, you know, the, tra- the direction it might be heading after a first couple games. And I, and I don't want to overlook the fact that there were some mistakes. He did throw kind of a, Every one of those games, there was a bad pick. The first couple, the UCLA game, he didn't have any picks, but there were a couple a couple times he threw the ball kind of in bad spots again. So, like, you saw some of the symptoms of this coming, but I would say, like, 80% of the snaps were really, really good, and maybe more than that for most of those games. And then, you, it, like we said, it flipped on its head 
you know, um, right there around the second half against Oregon State. And suddenly that ratio, and of course, this is like, I'm kind of just throwing out percentages here, but it went from being like, hey, I feel like eight out of the 10 plays he has are good to it feels like about four out of the 10 plays he has are good. And the ones that are bad are not only like not going for positive gain, they're big losses or turnovers or, gosh, if you would have just gone to this player, you could have picked up 30 yards and said you went to this player and it was incomplete or it was a no gain or you kept the ball and it was a no gain and you could have given it to the running back and it would have been 20 yards or you gave it to the running back and it was a no gain. You know, just the decisions became worse and worse and worse. And it's a really strange season to look at. And I think maybe now we can kind of switch over a little bit to the what we kind of think going into the offseason, which is I find it a little interesting that we're midway through January here and, and spring ball is going to start in probably, what, a little over a month, something like that. And we don't have a full understanding of what Anthony Brown is going to do. Or, you know, like I kind of had expected at this point we would be like, and, and, and maybe Anthony Brown's plan is going to be, I'm going to go through the spring in Eugene and try to beat Tyler Shuck for this job, beat Ty Thompson for this job, and and see if I can win this and just get a feel for it. Maybe that's maybe that's the plan. But I had kind of, and Matt, maybe you disagree. I had kind of thought like we were good. We would know by now what Anthony Brown was going to do, and the fact that we don't, I think, speaks more and more to some of this is speculative, but some of what maybe some of the internal conversations are like with Anthony Brown of like. Hey man, like I know you didn't get a chance until late in the season, but we liked what you we saw from you, and like if you stick around, like we can't, like the competition is going to be open, and we can't say for a fact that you know you're not going to have this job. Like we're going to give you, you, you'll have an opportunity to go win this thing, and maybe he's really weighing the opportunity here, um, because I had kind of thought like by this point he would have announced one way or the other, and the fact that we haven't heard anything, I think, is kind of notable. Anthony Brown played two games for Oregon in the 2020 football season, finished the year completing 15 of his 23 passes at 65% for 164 yards, 7.1 yards per attempt, two passing touchdowns, both of those short yardage situations uh, against Southern California in the Pac-12 championship game, finishes with no interceptions. Uh, He did have a fumble, which was lost. He had a fumble against USC, but uh, Oregon was able to cover that up and and it didn't cost Oregon too much. He also added seven carries for 40 yards and two touchdowns. Those two touchdowns came against Iowa state in the Fiesta bowl when he ran four times for 36 yards. So a nine yard average in that game, 5.71 yard average uh, on the year. And I think looking back, I don't think we saw enough of Anthony Brown to really make a true decision. If you're a coaching staff of, Maybe he's a gamer and he plays significantly better in, in games than he does in practice. Or, you know, I, I don't know. I, I, I look at this, though, and wonder, I don't – I feel pretty confident in if you can get Tyler Shuck back mentally and, and at a good place with his confidence, he can be a really good quarterback. I don't know that about Anthony Brown at Oregon. I think he looked good at Boston College, but he left Boston College for a reason. And it's let's also not pretend that when he left Boston College, it wasn't like in a week he committed in to Oregon and he had like every big school coming after him. You know, it, it took him a while to, to land at Oregon. And so I, I look at this and think transfers, there's always two sides to every story. Really elite players don't leave. 
a, a, a school to go somewhere else unless it's like, hey, I went to the East Coast. I'm from the West Coast. And, you know, my, my mom is really sick and I, and I want to be able to, be, to get close to home to, to be with her. And it's nothing against the school I'm at. It's just something in my life has changed and I need to be closer to home. Like that happens every now and then, but typically a transfer happens because for the most part, it wasn't entirely working out in the best case scenario for both sides from a transfer standpoint. And I, I don't know if we have enough information about Anthony Brown out of Oregon. I, I, I think he looks decent, but at the same time, I wonder what held him back so long during the 2020 football season to get into the game. Like, was he just really bad in practice? And if that's the case, I don't know if, if, if that's the smart play to go with Anthony Brown. And we should also note that Oregon didn't get any, it's kind of hard because it's, it's the one position in football where you're the only guy like, you can have a kicker. You can have a guy be a place kicker, and you have another guy be your PAT specialist. You can have a guy be your kickoff specialist. Like you can get multiple players at that position at, at other positions on on a football team reps and and find ways to evaluate in game situations. Quarterback is the only one where it's very difficult to play more than two guys. And there's that saying: if you don't if you play two, you don't have one. And so no other quarterback on Oregon's roster saw any snaps besides Kale Millen on special teams. And that also plays into what happens in 2021's offseason, I think, of the uncertainty of you don't really know what you have behind Anthony Brown and Tyler Shuck. And I don't think you can confidently say you know what you have in Anthony Brown either. I don't think you can confidently say – and this is the problem – I don't think you can confidently say what you have in Tyler Shuck. So, so you don't – I mean, there's not a quarterback that's going to be on the roster in 2020 where I'm just like, oh, this is what they are. I, I mean, you really, I really don't have any confidence level. I mean, because we saw Tyler Shuck. We just, we just, we don't, I don't want to rehash it too much. We saw the ups and downs of that season, really good at times, really bad at others. We shot Anthony Brown probably play, what do you think, a total of maybe 45 snaps in two games? Maybe not even that, maybe 30, 35 snaps in two games. Like, we, we, don't yeah. have a, we don't have a clear picture of what he is because he – I mean – and I know, like, we started to see the little bit of the warts with him, too, right? At the end of the first half there uh, against uh, Iowa State, where he, he has a couple of – he has one very easy touchdown. Yeah, Devin, he, has, Devin he has a very easy touchdown throw he could have made that he doesn't hit. And it costs Oregon points, and it costs the momentum. And it didn't cost them the game because they didn't make any plays in the second half, period. But if he, if he hits that throw, there's a little bit of a different complexion, I think. Um, instead, they had to kick a field goal, which was a long ass field goal from Henry Cattleman, and that was a great play. But like, it should never have happened. We never should have needed to see that. Yeah, and so we so so it's not like we, we it's not like we can say that Anthony Brown. If Anthony Brown had a hundred percent completion percentage and threw for like seven touchdowns and like thirty five plays, you would be like, okay, gosh, this guy's got to be the guy. But it's not like he was perfect. He missed some easy throws. Um, he had two fumbles in two games. He he lost one. He recovered another. Um, it's it's not like he was. It's not like he was without warts, right? And so you go, and so now, I mean, if we want to discuss kind of transition over to the 2021 stuff, it really is a thing where I mean, I just, I just did my predicting the two deep entering 2021, and my top two quarterbacks are Tyler Shuck and Ty Thompson. And I have Shuck at one and Thompson at two. I have very little confidence in any of the order here. 
Um, you could convince me that Anthony Brown needs to be above either of those two guys. You probably wouldn't be able to convince me that Kale Millen or Robbie Ashford needs to be above anybody, but you could probably convince me that maybe Jay Butterfield deserves to be ahead of a, a Ty Thompson just because he was somebody who turned heads during fall, you know, especially at the end of the season. And it's a true freshman quarterback in Ty Thompson. And then I know everybody wants to build Ty Thompson up as the next big thing. And it's, I understand that given his recruiting ranking, but he hasn't had a full practice at Oregon yet. And Jay Butterfield has had a full year of that. So, I mean, like there, I mean, there's four quarterbacks to me in my mind where I go like between Tyler Shuck, Anthony Brown, Ty Thompson, and Jay Butterfield. I don't want to say you could convince me any of them could be in any order because I would be, I think Jay Butterfield can't be first probably. And Ty Thompson probably can't be last, but like, and Tyler Shuck probably can't be last either, but like I, I think it's 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 a thing where you really have four quarterbacks going into this, and again, we there could be some shakeup in terms of who's actually with the team. It's going to be really, it's very interesting to try to try to break this down. I think more so than ever before. Boy, spring practice, I will be, and this is going to be something we'll have to talk to Mario Cristobal about. Is how do you handle the reps in practice? And I know yeah. they. They talk about how they try to get everybody reps, but we've watched practice, and the way it goes is the first team quarterback gets a little bit more reps when they do kind of scrimmage, you know, live practice situations. The second team quarterback gets a little bit less, a little bit less. The third team quarterback gets a little less than that, and by you get to the time you get to the fourth string quarterback, you basically get no reps. So I'd be curious to see if they rotate a lot, and we saw this a little bit in the past spring where they were rotating a lot at running back in terms of getting. Some days Travis Dye was getting the, the first team reps. Some days it was Sean Dollar. Some days it was Cyrus or BB Leakio. CJ Verdell was kind of in and out of practice because of injury. And that, gosh, that should have been, I guess, a, a sign of things to come. But I kind of wonder if there'll be sort of a similar approach in spring of just like, we really need to see what each of these guys can do. And this is where, I, you know, and so like if you get, and if it's just those four guys, which I think it is, I go like, if you're Kale Millen and Robbie Ashford and you're quarterback five and six on the roster, I'm going to guess you're going to get next to zero actual live practice reps unless they, unless they really open this up and say, Hey, all six guys are in this conversation. I, I, that's where I go look at those two. And I go like, could Kale Millen move positions? Could Robbie Ashford just focus on baseball? Could one of them transfer? Because I just look at it and think six quarterbacks is a lot to carry, especially, especially when you've got four guys with what I expect to be a, a wide open quarterback competition. I mean, Tyler Shuck probably enters as the quarterback taking the first string reps, I imagine, on day one of spring. But I'm not going to be surprised at all. And again, it's, some of this is going to come down to like, what intel can we actually get? Because we probably aren't going to get to watch practice. But like, I'm not going to be surprised at all if we kind of learn during or you know, through sor- sources or after practices that like, actually they were rotating the first string quarterback like almost every day between two or three guys. The Ty Thompson one will, will be an interesting factor to, to, to see play out because he is the highest rated commit at the position um, yep. ever for, for, for Oregon ever. Um, but that being said, I look at this and think, okay, like it, it, you just can't throw away Jay Butterfield uh, or you can't throw away Robbie Ashford um, a- as well because both of those guys, Butterfield and Ashford, four-star quarterbacks, um, you-, you look at Butterfield in particular, and he's top six all time. 
you know, Tyler Shuck is just ahead of him, but, you know, Butterfield's top 10 all time. He's ninth. And, or Ash, uh, Robbie Ashford, excuse me, he's ninth. And so I look at this and think Ty Thompson's coming in and he's the highest rated quarterback in, in program history. But it's not like it's, in my opinion, Butterfield and, and Ashford all of a sudden forgot to throw how to throw a football. Like, <laughs> I, I look at Ty, and it, honestly, Eric, it wouldn't surprise me if the first week or so, maybe the first half of spring ball, Ty Thompson's like fifth on the depth chart. Um, I think I, I'd have a hard time seeing him below Kale or Robbie. Maybe that's just my perspective, but you're right in terms of like. I, I think he'll be ahead of Kale. He's a better quarterback than Kale, but. Pro- probably Robbie too. You're probably right there, but I, I could see him. I could see him at fourth. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Four, fourth, you know, and it would be a bit of a surprise to me if, if he comes in at three, assuming Ash, uh, assuming Anthony Brown is still here. hundred percent on that. No, I, I think, I think you, based upon what we've seen, it's going to be in some order, Tyler Shuck, Anthony Brown and Jay Butterfield, probably Butterfield's the third string quarterback. The other two are assuming again, Brown's around. And Ty Thompson's fourth, and then you have the other guys, quarterbacks five through six, and, and Bradley Yaffe, I think, is still on the team as a walk-on. So they have seven quarterbacks. Um, I mean, this is this is. I mean, let's just. I mean, I don't know if we want to end it or, or whatnot or make some predictions, but like I, I look at this, Matt, and I think this is the most, the most. I guess I don't want to say absurd, but the most open and kind of, I guess, the most exciting quarterback position battle I've been around since I've been covering this team. Um, for you know about over half a decade in two different stints um, of like we've had times where it was kind of unclear who the quarterback would be but there was always a pretty clear kind of expect like eh, it probably Marcus Mariota is probably going to be the quarterback right uh, you know like uh, it'll it'll probably be Tyler Shuck this last year this one I feel like is really I mean I'm I'm really I don't have a whole lot of confidence here. I mean, I have Tyler Shuck just because he is the, you know, uh, he was a starting quarterback this past season, the incumbent. But I mean, I really don't. I mean, if, if I was, if there was, if someone was doing a bet, you know, a Las Vegas betting line on this, like I, I would stay away from it. And I, I would be really curious to see, you know, what that line would look like, because I, I mean, I really do feel like there are four guys and, and I think Jada Butterfield's like, maybe that's three and a half because, I would be, probably be pretty surprised if he ends up actually winning the starting job. But I think there are four guys that are legitimately going to be given an opportunity to win a job. Um, and, and I think between Chuck, Chuck Thompson and Brown, you could kind of convince me any of those guys is going to be the, the quarterback by the end of the season. I mean, I, I, I would probably lean towards Chuck or Brown starting this season just because of the experience factor. Um, but, like, I wouldn't be stunned at all if you get to the sixth or seventh game of the season, and some of it's going to be dependent upon whoever starts the season as quarterback and their performance. But I wouldn't be stunned at all if we see a Ty Thompson or a Jay Butterfield get a look midway through the season if things start, aren't going great at quarterback. And, again, this is, this is a heck of a time to have this sort of a quarterback competition given the way we think the rest of this team is kind of built and the upside the rest of this team has of, like, I know I made this point in the past, but I, I don't think they're going to win a national championship in 2021. But I think certainly they can win their third straight Pac-12 championship, play in a New Year's Six Bowl, and maybe 
have an outside chance of being one of the four teams in the college football playoff. And I say all that, but it's kind of with the caveat of, can they get decent quarterback play? And I don't know if that'll be the case or not. I think there's a lot of talented quarterbacks on the team, but the fact that we don't know who it is, is to me, makes it difficult. The most, yeah, it's the most disconcerting part of this whole thing. I was just going to say this, this position truly feels well, it will decide how far Oregon goes in 2021. Yeah. Like if whoever comes out and wins the job and they can play at a consistently from one week one to week 12 of the regular season, knocking on wood that we get a regular season of 12 games, normal <laughs> situation. Please do. Um, but if they play consistently from week one to week to game two, game one to game 12 and they play like a top 15, top 20 quarterback in the country, Oregon will be in the playoff picture come November. I, I, I really believe that. Will they get there? I don't know, but they will be in the discussion. They will be near the ranking or in the top four when the first rankings come out and we will be tracking a team playing for a berth in the college football playoff. But if they're up and down, this 2021 season could be one where maybe they, you know, if they have a couple dips, maybe they go 10 and two and they're not going to make the college football playoff, but they're still going to have a really good regular season. They're going to go into the college. They'll go into the Pac-12 championship game with a chance to win a third straight game. If they have a quarter of the year where the quarterback play is just abysmal and unreliable and Oregon becomes one dimensional, we're talking about a team that could be eight and four. Yep, and and if it's more than that, we're we're talking about a team that's probably going to be fighting for bowl eligibility. And, that, and I think that's the big concern. And I feel I lean more towards this being a team that wins between nine and ten games, and a team that wins five to eight or something like that, five to seven. But like there is, I mean, quarterback is the most important position on a football team. There's no one can argue that, and if you don't have good quarterback play and you're playing in close games, which I mean, the PAC 12 is going to have these games are close. I mean, look at what happened this last season and Oregon didn't really blow out anybody all season with the exception of Stanford. And that was a game where the quarterback, their, their kicker missed four kicks and they had their backup quarterback. Like if they, if you know, that game Davis Mills plays in that game, I'm not saying Oregon loses, but that game's competitive. And then you look at the season, it would be basically six games in the regular season against PAC 12 teams that were all, one to two score games. So you need good quarterback play. You have to have it to win. And especially when you play some of these teams that are going to, that are going to score points on a defense, even a good defense. And we don't know who the defensive coordinator is at Oregon. I think they're going to make a good hire. I think they're going to be a really good defense, but we saw this last year, even if it, with a good defense at times, and I think the defense is up and down and I think it'll be better. I think it hopefully another knock on a knock on wood situation will be more consistent in 2021. But that doesn't necessarily mean a ton. Like, where would Oregon have been in 2019 if their quarterback play was below the Justin Herbert standard? You know, I mean, what, how many games would they have lost there? Right. They, would, they, they would have lost to Washington. They would have probably, they definitely would have lost to Washington State based upon how that game played. Um, the Cal game could have been more coin flippy. Um, you know, there, there are games in there. That they hardly, they, 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 you know, there were games they dominated and won pretty handily. You could have probably inserted a couple different quarterbacks in 2019 and, and still won. 
but there are games where you take out Justin Herbert and you put in a quarterback who's shaky and you lose the game. So I'm with you, Matt. Like this position is really important and they need, they need this position to be playing at a high level and whoever it is, you got to get cutthroat this season, Mario and Joe. And like, I think you just got, if there is any indecision or sense early on that the guy that everybody's leaning with is, is maybe, maybe this isn't the best guy and the guy who actually is best is somebody who's maybe a little bit a younger guy. Like if Ty Thompson by week two is like, like say they go out and they, they win their opener against Fresno state and then they get beaten pretty bad by Ohio state. And I think that's probably a pretty, pretty realistic outcome for those first two games, but the quarterback play against Ohio state, if it's really bad, I think you'll have to take a look and say, Hey, maybe this third game here, this non-conference game, this is the time to make a move. And before we start conference play, let's take out whoever the starter was who wasn't playing well and let's insert somebody who's younger who we think could be better and again this is all hypothetical way down the line there's a lot of different obstacles to clear we've got spring ball we've got fall camp we've got some non-conference games but by the time they get into the meat of the conference schedule and if you try to want to play for a good bowl and you want to win the conference championship you better know that your quarterback can give you a place to win a game because we saw this last year when that's not the case what happens you lose close games that you shouldn't because Oregon very easily could have beaten Oregon State and they should have beaten Cal if they could have just gotten a little bit better quarterback play. Real quick, we will wrap the show up with, with this one. Um, I do believe this Oregon will go into 2021 having – or end, will end 2021. Like I, I feel very confident Oregon ends 2021 having a good idea of who their quarterback is. Um, it could be a transitional year, like in 2016, where Dakota Prukop starts the starts the year, and Justin Herbert replaced him midway through, <clears throat> and then all of a sudden, at the end of the year, we uh, all of a sudden at the end of the year, we we see a situation where it's like, yeah, he had a lot of mistakes, and and he he lost some games but we feel very confident in where this position is going moving forward. And we feel confident that Oregon's got a quarterback that's going to be, you know, a top guy in the conference, play of the year type caliber quarterback for however long he stays at Oregon. And and it could be, it could be a guy like, Hey, you know what? Like maybe Shuck wins the job. And I, I, I think if Shuck wins the job, Eric, and he's playing good football through the first game of Pac-12 play, I'll probably put heavy odds that he finishes the year and he's probably one of the better quarterbacks in the conference. I, I think we'll know relatively early if if Shuck wins the job that we'll know early in the year that if he's the long-term solution or not. Like I, I feel pretty confident in saying that. And then I got a lot of confidence in the younger guys that are in the mix coming up through the ranks that if one of those guys emerges as the starting quarterback, uh, they will be, you know, pretty good down the road. It might be rough in 2021, um, but the future would be very, very bright. I will also say this, like if they're constantly shuffling quarterbacks again, don't, don't count on having a really good year uh, from, from a quarterback perspective, because I'm a true believer. And if you have two quarterbacks, you don't have one. I'm not going to be, Totally surprised, and I know there are fans who are probably going to not like this point here, but I am not going to be totally surprised if we see Tyler Shuck emerge as a starting quarterback and actually be pretty competent um, because we've seen it 
in stretches last year. And if he can get back to that point with what we expect to be an offensive line with more continuity, right? With receivers that are hopefully more healthy. Cause there were, I mean, in the midst of some of this up and downness, you know, up and down, up and downness is not a word or a term, but in, in the midst of this roller coaster portion of the season where the lows hit, they didn't have Devin Williams against California. Micah Pittman wasn't right. available against Oregon State. Um, you could make some kind of mini arguments here that, hey, he never had his tight ends with him. C.J. Verdell was taken out of the lineup after UCLA. And, hey, guess what? We started seeing issues against Oregon State. You could make some arguments that the skill position players around him either were out of the lineup or – um, I, I agree, or just say they're out of the lineup. I mean, you didn't have CJ Verdell really at full strength in any of the games he struggled. You know, he That's played, important. Played his best games when Verdell was healthy. Um, he didn't. He he missed both either Pittman or w- Williams in a couple of games down the stretch. They never had their full complement of tight ends. The offensive line, I think, struggled at times as well during that period. I mean, UCLA's defensive front was really really good against Oregon's offensive line, and so was Cal's. So, I mean, you could probably – I mean, you could piece together some arguments here, and I know fans are going to groan at this because – and I won't discount the fact that Tyler Shuck also had some times where the plays were right there in front of him and he just couldn't make the plays. But I don't think you can fully discount the possibility that Tyler Shuck comes back, is stronger for what was an up-and-down season, um, pulls himself up here, has a great spring, leaves the spring as the pretty clear-cut top quarterback, enters the season with a healthier complement of skill guys around him with an offensive line that has a better identity. And that is actually just ends up being a really good quarterback in 2021. And I know, again, I've said it three times, but I will say it again. I know people just don't think that's even plausible. I'm not one of those people. I could see a scenario here where Tyler Shuck actually ends up being one of the three to four best quarterbacks in 2021. If everything breaks right, but that's going to require him to really do some soul searching to really work on his play to kind of identify the issues along with the staff that happened and why they got to the point and why the season was so discombobulated where one week he looks like he could be, you know, the conference pack to quarter first team all quarterback. And then the next week he looks like he shouldn't be starting. So, I mean, I, 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 I'm just saying I could see a scenario here where I don't write off Tyler shut completely yet. I'm not at that place because we've seen the highs. We've also seen the lows, but he is a young quarterback. So I'll, I'll leave it there. And I'm sure fans don't like that. I, well, I'm, I'm with you. Um, we'll end the show, but I, I agree. I, I actually think Tyler Shock will win the job and will hold on to the job in 2021 for Oregon at quarterback. And uh, we'll, end the, we'll end the show there. Uh, we'll continue our coverage of the quarterback position group throughout the week on DuckTerritory.com. Make sure to go check all that stuff out. Give us your opinions, your thoughts on that. Um, also make sure to give us a, a review on iTunes or Spotify or Google podcast, whatever you use to listen to the podcast, please give us a review that helps us. We've crossed over 200 reviews. We're, we're shooting for some more. We want to get to 300 at some point early on in 2021. So if you guys can help us get there, that would be tremendous until we talk to you later this week. Thank you for listening to the Odds and Audible's podcast. Talk to you later folks.